You can be healed of anger, resentment, malice, rage. Today, <clears throat> never, ever, ever, ever have I been as sure that he wants to hand out miracles as I am right now. Not only because he put this on my heart to tell you this way, but because all through worship, it's like I can't hardly contain. Just like that guy was saying, there's just something rising. Just like Pastor, just something rising up in me saying, this is what he wants to do. He just wants to love us. It's really hard for us to experience his love if we're holding on to one of those, if you've seen the past sermons, one of those fences, one of those offenses that build a fence between you and him. It's not just between you and somebody. It's between you and him. So I'm determined to help other people have this miracle. I really feel that if somebody can strip me naked and cut me to shreds and see me say, I sure love you and know that I mean it, I really think they might see Jesus and give their life to him. So I want a miracle for us today that we will be set free from being offended. And we want to hold on to 1 Peter 3 or 2.23, but also want us to be able to go out of here and produce a miracle for them. And it'll only cost everything. It'll only cost you everything. That's why we got married. Wanted intimacy with my wife. Wanted to body, soul, mind, spirit, emotions. Wanted to be one with somebody that thought just like I did. Can you believe she thinks a lot like me? <laughs> She's coming around anyway. No. <laughs> Pray she doesn't come around. I, I try to be more like her. <laughs> and he paid that kind of price so that he could be one with us. Will we pay that kind of price? I want to be, everybody wants to be one with everybody. Just hate it when every, all the other cliques just kind of leave me out. Or I'd rather be in that clique or that clique. God just wants one big clique. And it'll cost just everything. It'll only cost everything. That's all it's going to take. You signed up for everything. When you gave your life to Jesus, you said everything, everything. You said, I'm in on this thing, Lord. I want this. So a miracle is something we can't receive. We can't produce this with our minds today. We can't make this happen by a bunch of speaking and talking. A miracle is something that only God can do. We can't manufacture it. We can't fake it. We can't make it. We cannot do a miracle. We cannot sustain a miracle. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. He showed up here today because he wants to do a miracle every one of us. In every one of us. And if you're completely free from being offendable, then he wants you to be able to go out. I'm sorry. If you're that strong right now, if you're so weak that you're relying totally on his strength, maybe this doesn't scare you. But you can go out there and somebody's going to rip you apart and they're going to see Jesus. You can, if you've got it all together... Somebody else gets it from you. Somebody else can get a miracle from you. God wants his people, he wants his people to know they're loved. You've been given a promise. I've been given a promise. But how are we going to get to the promise? Well, in the, in the Old Testament is a figure of, the new, uh, of what we do spiritually, the, what was done physically in the Old Testament. It's not a magic wand. It's not just being in the right place at the right time, but that could happen. 
could happen that you're just going to overflow of God's moving just because somehow, some way, you ended up in the right place at the right time. But generally, it's not just by being in the right place at the right time. It's not a magic wand. Although it could be a conducive culture that would bring forth a miracle that you weren't even expecting or looking for. Many times, God doesn't even just hand out a miracle. If you want this miracle, it begins with a process. You've got to enter the process to get the miracle. The process to get the promise. He said, go in and take the land. Go in and take the land. It's all yours. And he said many, many times. It's like three times in the first chapter, and then later on when they had sat back and decided they didn't want any more land, seven tribes still had not received their land when Joshua was getting old. And he says, what are you waiting for? It's been allotted. This is the allotments. Go out and take the land. There were still a couple giants left. There were still people that scared them left, and they did not want to go out and take the land and truly be free. I think of the guy I prayed for or wanted to pray for in California often when, when I have a message like this. And I don't even remember what he was sick with, diabetes or something. And I got to talk to him about Jesus and what, what he, you know, just being saved. And, and then I talked to him about being healed and there's some kind of a hole in one of his legs or something. And, and I said, would you let me pray? Would you want to be healed? He said, no. If he got healed, he would not get his government pay anymore. He would have to work. Literally, it's a true story. Are we afraid to be healed because we get a kind of little bit of payment by just keep talking about people? We just feel a little better, don't we? Well, you could feel a lot better if you just get healed. There'd be a little responsibility after that, but that way you can grow up and be a child of God instead of a baby. Sorry. Not, not sorry. Not sorry. Deuteronomy, I'm going to skip some of this. <clears throat> he says, I took you through the desert. I took you through the process in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I took you through here to test you, to see what's in your heart. So here they come out of Egypt. Let's say that's a place where we're offended. And we're going over here to the promised land. And it's maybe going to take two years, two months, I don't even know, but not very long. It won't take long to get over where I want to take you. But go through some desert just to test, see what's in the heart. Well, their hearts kept them from getting the promise. Forty years later, they didn't get to go in, but their children and a couple people that believed, like Caleb and Joshua, got to go in. Do you want to go in? Do you want to go into the promised land? Do you really want to experience the joy? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eat and drink and a bunch of rules and you're wrong and I, and I got to beat you up. kingdom of heaven is a matter of joy, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Spirit. If I'm unoffendable, I get joy, righteousness, and peace. That's enough to make me stomp my feet. Do a cartwheel. Things I'll spare you from. But I feel that in my heart. I'm forgiven. I'm full of joy. I'm dead. I don't need to fight back. So they were tested. And they chose to stay offended. Weren't they offended? Bitter, mad at Moses? But they were really who? They were mad at God. Moses was only doing what God told them. Careful who you get mad at. You might be mad at God. Exodus, pastor brought this out. I feel like I'm preaching over for you. But we're just 
we're just uh, marinating a little bit. But uh, Exodus 23, 29, and 30 says, I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I'm going to drive them out until you've increased enough to take possession of the land. So there's like two or three types of miracles. Two I'm going to mention now and one at the end probably. But one type of miracle is... You're Bartimaeus and you cry out to God, have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on me, and he just heals you instantly. The leper comes up and he just heals you instantly. That's the type of miracle I like. The other type of miracle is like I mentioned, a process miracle. You go through a process. You go through a discipline. It's just like winning the championship in, in cross country or track or wrestling or, God forbid, something to do with balls. But, um... Um, there's a process there's a discipline you go there every night and you practice every night and if you really want to win you go out on your own and you practice in the morning I remember when when I took state in wrestling I just the coach would say this many and I'd go I'm going to do 100 more ropes he'd say this many miles I'll do an extra mile I'd always do extra because I think I want that championship it worked (laughs) praise God but I want to not miss Jesus I don't want to miss it. I, don't want to, I want to know him. We've heard this before. I want to know him. That's an intimate word. Same word they use for Joseph knew Mary. I want to know him spiritually. Whatever that costs, I'll do a few extra ropes. I'll do a few extra miles. I'll do a few extra laps around the gym. I'll do a few extra push-ups. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure I'm unoffendable. I'm going through the desert. He's testing my character. I'm going to get Jesus. I'm going to be unoffendable. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So... We are looking for that miracle of being unoffendable, but inside of that miracle resides all the other miracles. And so I want to talk to us about the process miracles. It's, it's, it's a process to get that miracle, and it might be quite a process even to get the miracle of unoffendability, of not getting angry in every situation and circumstance that goes contrary to what I want. I'm going to show you some scriptures. I'm not preaching something that's not in here. If we'd only enter, the reason we're not getting our miracles is we haven't entered the process. A lot of times we're afraid to enter the process. Why? I'm going to lose what I want. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I can't, I can't enter that process, Lord. I just want what I want, and I'm going to get what I want. Let's look, um, let's look at Cain and Abel in uh, Genesis chapter 4. We've got to bring this guy out here now, I guess. Um, Genesis 4, it says, Adam made love to his wife Eve. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain, praise you Lord God, Cain brought some of the, first fruit, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. 
The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. When, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, you will, be, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your, blood, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Which, opens its mouth, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. You know, we might have think we did this thing without God seeing it, but he sees the blood crying out. He knows where we drew blood on somebody. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Why did Cain kill Abel? The Lord came to him and said, why are you so angry? Well, if you look at this, the reason Cain hated his brother, the Bible says hatred and anger and, hatred and, anger and murder are, are all the same. Anger is going to be, begin to kill somebody or something around you and yourself. He says, why are you angry? Why is your face cast down? If you do what's right, it'll go well with you. You'll be accepted. But if you don't do what's right, you don't get a trophy in God's realm just for showing up. A lot of people go to church. You don't get the miracles. You don't get the fellowship with Jesus just because you show up. Cain showed up with some of the first fruits of his crop, with some of the fruits of his crops, but he did not show up with the first fruits. And he did know that he was supposed to bring the first fruits to show his love and trust for the Father. Because God came to him and he said, if you just do what's right, and the only thing he did different than Abel is he didn't bring his first fruits. He didn't bring his best. <clears throat> Why was Cain so angry? We got to know the answer to this. Why was Cain so angry? He was angry because he was jealous. He's angry because his shortcut to God didn't work. He was dejected, the Bible says here. He was greedy. He wanted to keep that stuff for himself. It's hard for me to understand why the third guy ever made on the face of the earth wouldn't know God well enough to know, especially with parents that just said, hey, we messed up, you know, don't do the same thing. Why can't we trust God? Why couldn't he just trust God, but instead he kept back something? Reminds me of Ananias and Sapphira. It reminds me of me. Keep something back, and then I wonder, why am I getting angry? It all started with keeping something for me. Oh, it didn't hurt nothing. I got away with that. I kept something for me. I gave it all to him. I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. I gave it all. 
and then I go and not give it all? He was angry because he was jealous of his brother. He was angry because he was rejected by God. He said you would be accepted, opposite of rejected. You would be accepted if you just do what's right. You and your offering would be accepted if you would just give me the first fruits, love me and trust me, and let's just fellowship. He was angry because he was greedy and proud and selfish. And he was disobedient. But no, we're angry because we have a right to be angry. You know, I, I, I wish it could be a, a Bible that says Mark Apple version. But, uh, <laughs> and then make you guys listen to it. No. <laughs> but that one where it says, be angry and sin not, don't let the sun go down upon your anger. I, I really think in the Mark Apple version it would say, be angry and sin not, and, and stop being angry before the hammer comes down. He said, sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. Cain said, I ain't too worried about it. A little bit later, he takes his brother out and kills him. There's sin crouching at my door. I must master it. I got a little greed in my heart. I got a little jealousy in my heart. I've got a little, maybe I just don't understand why things are going the way they are, and I'm just mad. So we go back to the verse we're memorizing today, and we say, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Instead, he entrusted himself to him that judges justly. Now, Cain, if you just entrust yourself to him, bring the first fruits. Then you don't have to be jealous. You get the same trophy as Abel. But he entrusted himself to him that judges justly. In the middle of somebody stripping you naked, in the middle of somebody giving you a verbal beat down, I just entrust myself to you. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm just going to put up with this until God gets them. No, I'm entrusting myself to him, hoping they see the love of Jesus. I ain't got much time. <laughs> she said, good. <laughs> Thank you. I can take all the compliments I can get. Encouragement. All right. We're going to hit just some, some scriptures. Uh, James 4, verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Why do you get angry? Why do you get upset? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you can't have, so you kill. Do you think James really meant you kill? I think mostly he doesn't mean that. I think mostly he means that you're hating somebody. Mostly he means you're angry with somebody, and that's killing them. Might be your husband, might be your wife, might be somebody at work, and your silence is killing them. When will you show them the love of Jesus? There are situations in my roofing where people don't pay me. And this last year has been more than usual. And this last year, I'd have liked to be paid a little more. But I'm blessing people. And I, I really, truly love them. Now, I don't know if I'll ever get paid, but they're going to get loved. <laughs> or I could go and talk to the, everybody and tell them how bad it is and how many thousands of dollars I didn't get. It's a whole different mindset in the kingdom. Just, just let them... Take your life. 
so they can see Jesus. Especially your brothers and sisters here. Guess what? When you entrust yourself to him that judges justly, I've found that God talks to the person. If they really, if I, if, if they really are at fault and I entrust myself to him, God talks to the person. He didn't retaliate. He didn't threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one that judges justly. He didn't retaliate. He did not threaten. He didn't make threats. He didn't go and... He didn't go to the neighbor and the friend and say, you know, that guy, I ought to slam him down. You know, that guy, I'm going to make sure, and you fill it in. He didn't do those things. He didn't get evil like that. James chapter 120, how long do you want to be angry because it's really working against you? It's not a fruit of the Spirit. James 120 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So if it's not doing any good, why have it? It doesn't produce the righteousness that God does. I want to be righteous. I want to be one with him. And if anger doesn't do it, then maybe I should let go of it. So you kill and you covet, but you can't get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. So you can consume it and spend it on your pleasures. Brothers and sisters, you know, if our pleasure, our greatest pleasure, and the thing that we're concerned about, that's why we fight. Because we had our eyes on something. We had our eyes on this trophy, and it wasn't even a bad thing. And somebody we know got in our way. Sometimes you think the job promotion, that's, that's a tough one. There's all kinds of tough ones in a, in a family situation, a circumstance, and with kids and with, with husbands, especially with husbands, it's tough. <laughs> um, but if our goal is to hold on to that trophy, that prize, then we're going to miss out on the prize that really satisfies. It's not like we're going to come up empty. If we let go of all that stuff we had our eyes on, we're not coming up empty. We're coming up better than you can even, you can't verbalize how good this is. I got joy and peace and righteousness. I like righteousness. It means I'm going to heaven. He gave me his righteousness. That's why you can't judge anybody else. This, last, this other verse here says, Brothers and sisters, don't slander anybody. Anybody that speaks against a brother or sister judges them and judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it. You're standing in judgment on it. He says, if you judge, if I judge Tony, if I judge Stan, I'm judging the law. How can that be? The law is going to win every time. If I say, ah, the law is going to win. The law has always won. If you might say it got defeated, it only got defeated with Jesus. Thank God that gives us room to grow. But the law is always going to win because he is totally righteous. He's a figment of the law. The Bible says he condemns sin and stand. He condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in Tony. He condemns sin and sinful man in order that my righteous, the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in Mark Apple. So if they're fully met in you and I tell you you're no good or I tell you, well, he's got this problem, I'm judging the law and guess who wins? You do because you're totally righteous. That's why I can say I entrust myself to you, Lord. And when somebody messes with the law, they're in trouble. They're judging me. They're trying to, get, trying to take me out. They're trying to say, 
they're trying to beat me down, but you know what? I have a gift of righteousness. Can't mess with me. He condemned sin in me. He didn't condemn me. The righteous requirements of law are fully met in us. And so don't slander a brother or sister because you're slandering the law. Ooh. By faith, we know these things. Get rid of... Why would the Bible say this if we're supposed to keep anger for any amount of time? It's like I think sometimes we get angry and we say, well, I got till sundown. I got till I go to bed tonight or I got till I go to bed in the morning if you have a night job. <laughs> you don't have that long. If you, get to, if you get to that point where you're going to go to bed and you're saying, okay, now I got to get rid of anger, it ain't going to work. You waited too long. You're supposed, what the Bible is saying is you got anger in your life, start getting rid of it right now because the sun is going to go down on you. The sun is, went down on Cain. The sun went down on Cain, and he did things that should not be done. Shouldn't kill people. Shouldn't be jealous. Before the sun goes down, I'm thinking doesn't even be, it isn't even talking about that sun. Before the sun goes down, it's before it's too late. Get rid of anger before you act out. Get yourself in a place where when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten or make threats, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Drop to your knees instantly when there's anger because you don't know if your day is going to end. You don't know when it's too late. You don't know when that anger is going to take over. I think, I think the Lord said the same thing to Cain. He walked up to Cain and he said, Hey, why are you so dejected? Why are you so angry? There's sin crouching at your door. You must master it. You must. It's not a maybe. And guess what? I don't know if you... I don't know what happened. Was it the same day? I, I got to read that again. All I know is the sun went down on him. Whether it was two days later, whether it was two hours later, it was over. He killed his brother. And then it says God put him out in a land. Guess what he loved to do? He loved to get crops off the land, and he loved to produce the crops. And, in fact, he loved it so much, he loved it more than God. And God said, now you're going to go out here, and the land is not going to produce for you anymore. The very things you love, if you can't get rid of anger, being offended, being resentful, they'll be taken from you. They will be taken from you. What time do I need to finish? I don't even know. Noon? Any others? <laughs> 11.30, okay, thank you. <laughs> I, got, I got enough for noon. <laughs> I just want to tell you a couple verses here. I'm just going to read them. Proverbs says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath, Psalm 37. Don't fret. Don't anger. Don't fret. Don't wrath. It only leads to evil. I don't have a right to be angry. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. 
Not people with fruits of the Spirit, but in the lap of fools. Just want to, let's just stand. I really do have a lot here, and I'm not going to go through it. <clears throat> Praise you, Jesus. All right, I'm going to say a couple more things before we go. I'm going to read this. This is scary, but I'm going to read it anyway because I, I had to read this. I had to work through this. I remember, I just want to say the, the gift of being able to forgive is amazing. That one, remember the, the, the wicked servant? He owed his master like $10 million dollars. The other, the servant of that servant owed him a hundred days wages, which is a lot less than $10 million. But he, he got mercy from the master, but then his servant wasn't able to pay him. And so he beat him up or whatever and put him in jail. And then the master heard about what the $10 million guy that was forgiven $10 million, heard about what he did. And he says, I'm going to put you now in prison until you pay, and you will be subject to the tormentors until you pay the last penny. If we don't forgive, if we can't be stripped naked, if we can't do this Christian thing like Stephen did, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. If we can't do it like Jesus that gives us the power to do it, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we can't do it like Paul and Silas, worshiping in prison right after they were beaten to a pulp, where did we get the idea that we can be offended and angry when our examples in the Bible were always worship? So here's a verse, and why should we leave it out of the Bible? It's all through Hebrews, but I've got to read it. It's, it's a very serious verse. It says, look after each other so none of your... None of you fails to receive the grace of God. Look after each other. Love each other. Make sure you don't miss the grace of God. I, I got to make sure you guys don't miss the grace of God. I, I want to make sure you don't miss the grace of God. Because miracles only happen by His grace. We can't make it happen. We can't fake it. We can't make it. We can't sustain it. So look out after each other so nobody fails to... Get and receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting a lot of people. One little bitter root is going to corrupt a lot of people. It's not just going to destroy you or me. It's going to destroy a lot of people. It's going to cause a lot of people to sin. Corruption, sin, same thing. It's going to make, you know, some versions say, it's going to make a lot of people sin. It's going to corrupt a lot of people if we don't get rid of this poisonous root of bitterness. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. Cain traded his birthright. What he was really supposed to inherit, he traded it in for the first fruits that he kept back from God, and then he lost everything. 
You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late to get the blessing. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. And then in verse 28, be careful that you don't refuse what God's saying. He's saying in a crazy lot of love today. He's saying in a crazy lot of love. But he says also, be careful, even though this is totally in love, even though God came down to Cain and said, hey, I love you. Just do what's right and we can be in fellowship. He still warned Cain. And he still told Cain, you've got to master this thing because if you don't, sin is crouching at your door and it's going to destroy you. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, now this is in the same context of getting rid of bitterness, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one that speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. This means that all, crea all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let's be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Offendance not, offense is, being offended is not an option. It doesn't take a long time to get rid of anger. You simply get your 1 Peter 2.23 out. So, 1 Peter 2.23, we just get that out when we're feeling like being offended. We just decide that, hey, I don't need those, those things I wanted. I don't need to get my way. I don't need to be right. I don't need to be in control. But I can entrust myself to him that judges justly. So it doesn't take a long time to get anger out. Don't wait till the sun goes down. If you want this promise, if you want the milk and honey, the Bible says it's a land full of milk and honey. Tell you what, it's a land full of milk and honey. It is like crazy full of milk and honey. It is the best land that I'm talking about today. And if you want the land, you need to enter the process of the miracle. Some of these miracles are going to be a little further out, but it doesn't have to take a long time. If you'll just jump into the process, we take over, take Jericho out. The first, if you'll just take the first city, and let's call Jericho unforgiveness. Let's call Jericho offense. We're just take that out so we can go in and enjoy the milk and honey. Let's go into the land and enjoy the milk and honey, the sweet fellowship with brothers and sisters. That's part of the milk and honey. The sweet fellowship so easily with God. That's part of the milk and honey. The miracles of limbs growing out. The miracles of hearts starting to beat right. The miracles of diabetes going, going away. The miracles of bad backs and stiff necks being gone. The milk and honey is there. It is so, so available. But you got to take Jericho first. You got to take anger first. You got to take offense first. You got to take those guys out. You got to take that city. You take that city, you get all kinds of stuff. Well, I don't like the, that's a tough city to, to take. No, it's not. He said, as I said earlier, he said in the first part of Joshua, he said in the 18th and 23rd chapter of Joshua, he said, be very strong. Your God will drive it out. All you got to do is all you can. 
he'll do the rest. Be very strong. Your God will get Jericho. That was a process miracle. Three days they were preparing, and then seven days they went around. And then, boom, they got the city. Guess what happens when you don't? We'll go, you go to AI. But we're done. We're done. We're done. Sin is crouching at our doors, folks. We've got to master it. Be very strong. Entrust yourself to him that judges justly. Let's look to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You get in whatever posture that will help you receive a miracle. You don't ever posture that will give back the first fruits to God. In fact, get whatever posture will help you to give yourself back to God. For you're bought with a price, you're not your own. You made a deal with him. He's Lord, not you. And we made a deal that we were going to follow in his steps that if we get nothing, if we die to self, we get everything. If we miss out on everything on earth, we still get everything. So, Father God, we just give our life back to you right now. We entrust ourselves to him that judges justly. And this week, Lord God, I know you're going to help us when we have an opportunity to be offended, maybe just with our thoughts in the evening, in the morning, in the car. All of a sudden, we get attacked with the enemy that helps attack. And Father God, we're just going to entrust ourselves to you when that anger begins to come up. And we're going to say, Lord, I, that, that thought the devil just gave me, that must mean I'm a little jealous or I'm a little greedy or I want to keep a little bit of my life back. But I give it all back to you and I entrust myself to you. So right now, Father, we just right now, in this very moment, we entrust ourselves to you. We're not going to retaliate. We're not going to make sure we get it all right and all our friends know how, to, how, how we've been wronged and how somebody else is doing something wrong. But Lord, we're just going to entrust ourselves to you because you're bigger. You're better than all our friends. We give our life to you, Father. Father, we give our life back to you. We forgive everybody. In Jesus' name. One thing as you go. I learned a little bit about forgiveness back when I was in Kansas. I learned how to forgive every moment of every day because when you're a pastor, every moment of every day, something's happening. And so you better get rid of it quick because you can't take two on and 10 minutes later, there's going to be another one. But this one lady, it was hard to forgive. And maybe some of you have heard this before, maybe not. Because people that we had brought to the Lord and people that had been saved, she began to turn them against us. And she was used by God. It's like, you know, she thought she was doing things right, but in the process she was trying to destroy us and make us look bad. And so the church went downhill right when we thought it would be getting good. And I don't know if it's a couple years later. I thought, because I'd get in the prayer room and I'd say, God, I forgive her. And I'd just, mean, I'd just cast my cares. i God, I forgive her. I said all the right words. I couldn't figure out why it never seemed to really go away. So I'm up at the altar at another church one day. And I began to say, I said, God, I'm just going to be honest with you. I hate her. Because forgiving is different 
than my sin of hating. I can forgive and not hold anything against her, but I never confessed my sin to God. I also had a sin to deal with that I was never dealing with. So finally it says, confess your sin. And it's kind of weird. My, my wife taught me how to do this just simply by talking to me like, well, she never does this very often. But Years ago one time she said, I hate that person. It wasn't the same person. And it's like, honey, you can't say that. But I thought, you know what, I'm at this altar and really that's one of the things is what she had done that helped me to think, well, just a minute, I'm just going to be honest like Jenny. I hate that lady, Lord. I hate her, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. And all of a sudden, and I've never, never manifested like this before or after, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just touching me. He didn't ask me, well, why do you hate her or she was wrong or there was no who cares who's wrong. It was just that I was wrong. I hated her. And I was down at the altar and I just started heaving, just breathing. And every time I took a breath, I just felt healing come through me. I began to get the milk and the honey. And today I've never seen her before, you know, since then. I've never seen her for a couple years after I hated her. And I haven't seen her since I've been healed. But if she could walk in this church and I have nothing but love her. And by now, maybe she loves me. I don't know. I hope so, because it's tough, rough on you when you don't love me. <laughs> so, yeah, we forgive them, Lord, but don't forget to confess I hate them, too. It really is hate. If you study the scriptures, hate, anger. What was the other one? Hate, anger, and murder. All the same. I could show it, but we don't have time. Hate, anger, and murder, it's all the same. Father, thank you. I bless you guys. Thanks for coming and be healed. Big miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> thank you. You can say that as much as you want.